Hello, and welcome to episode 29 of North Point Plus. Wow. Rick, welcome back. Thanks. Good, Good to be man, back. Man. Been traveling. Yeah. You've been Good to be back in the Literally all over the world. <laughs> Not all over the world, but it all feels like it. some of the world. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's good to have you back. Thanks. Uh, we're continuing to plow through our Jesus Is series, which is our series that leads up to Easter. And we talked about this yesterday. It's worth talking about again today. Easter, April 17. We've got three services that morning. So save the date for that. You talked about it yesterday. Invite family yeah, and friends. Yeah, great time to invite people. Yeah, so uh, definitely get that on your calendars. Invite friends and family. We'd love to have you there. We have Good Friday service that Friday, April 15 at 7 o'clock. So again... Same thing, invite friends and family. That'll be an awesome service. We haven't done a Good Friday service yeah. in... Ever. Ever. Well, since I've been here anyway. Well, and, ever. And, a, <laughs> and a cool time to just pray through yeah. parts of the that final week. Um, during that week, we'll have stations set up outside so people can yep. kind of do their own prayer walk. Yep. Yeah, we should get those set up fairly soon because, man, it's already almost April. It's <laughs> coming. Oh, it's a coming. It's going to be warm soon. Time just keeps moving. That's right. Doesn't stop. Uh, thanks for joining us for North Point Plus. This is our follow-up podcast. So every Sunday we gather together as a church, and this is an opportunity to keep that gathering going just a little longer. Yeah. So we thanks for continue joining us. to talk about the message. You guys submit questions. We talk through those questions, and yeah, it's just a blast. So we have a few questions that I want to get to, but first, before we even get to the message, uh, someone asked for an update on the giving. Um, so we, for the last few weeks, have been asking people to give towards uh, funding for a vehicle for our missionaries that were in Ukraine to help transport people. So is there an update on that giving? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we actually were going to talk about it yesterday and and, and didn't really get a chance to do so. Um, the total giving now uh, is around $12,000. It's just a little bit shy of $12,000. I got a text from Herb. I sent him a, a message from Herb Burkett, our missionary that's there that's now in Poland. And, um, and in this week's edition of Get to the Point, which is our kind of our electronic newspaper, digital newspaper that goes out, um, Herb itemized about four things that we can really be praying for, for uh, what's going on in Ukraine, for the Christians who are there. And so be sure and check that out this week. And uh, that would be great. Thanks so, so much for your giving. Yeah. Um, I know the impact that it's having, we may not know for eternity, but it's, it's making a big difference in, in terms of helping get supplies in and people out of Ukraine right now. Yeah, great. So thanks again for your giving. Um, continue to pray for them. Continue to pray for the situation in Ukraine. They can definitely use it. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. So yesterday, <laughs> yes, <laughs> four on the floor for those that <laughs> drive manual. Uh, yesterday we talked about again. We're we're continuing through our Jesus is series. So yeah. we're looking at all these events that lead up to the eventual crucifixion, the resurrection, all of that. Spoilers for those. That uh, yeah, there was a resurrection. Jesus does rise. <laughs> he does come back. Um, so yesterday or on Sunday we looked at this event that is so weird. Yeah. That seems so out of character for the Jesus that we've all constructed in our heads, where Jesus yeah. gets mad, flips tables, shouts at people. So talk a little bit. Give us the the uh, the summary, the 30-second summary of what we looked at on Sunday. So during that week of Passover, Jesus has come in from out of town. Uh, he's come in from Bethany, about two miles outside of, of Jerusalem. He does the triumphal entry on his way in. Um, we, we talked about a, just a passage of Scripture that's kind of interesting. On his way into town, he says, look out, Jerusalem. There's going to come a time that, that, that Jerusalem just really falls apart. Yeah. Um, and then on Monday morning, he gets up, he makes this trip into Jerusalem, into the temple, sees a fig tree that's there, 
expects there to be fruit on the fig tree. There's not. And Jesus curses the fig tree, says that it's going to die, and uh, then keeps going into Jerusalem. He goes into the temple, and um, at the temple, he sees all the people who are changing money, all the people who are selling uh, animals for sacrifice. He sees the reality of the situation that the temple has been filled with Jewish people doing commerce, and it has ceased to be really a place for for its intended purpose, to show the nature of God and for people to be able to worship. And and Jesus really just kind of goes ballistic, throws, throws tables, um, yells at people, causes a stir. I said it was like he threw a, a hand grenade right. um, in the middle of the temple because just everything stops right. um, and, and people don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and Jesus quotes the Old Testament, and they didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. Um, and he and the disciples head back out of town, go back to Bethany, uh, spend the night there. Yeah. On Tuesday morning, they head back into Jerusalem, probably to the temple again to, to do some teaching, yeah. and they see the fig tree, and it's all withered up. Mm. Uh, it's, it's dead in 24 hours. It's dead. Mm. And, um, and Peter says, look at this tree. And Jesus says, um, you know what? Uh, don't be surprised. At this, uh, the, you can you can say to the mountain, "Be thrown into the sea," and um, and if you believe it'll happen, all of that, all of those pieces together were really teaching. They they were one giant, multifaceted object lesson yep. to teach the disciples that Judaism, the whole system that was built for the Jews of sacrifices of the temple, that all of that was coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And that um, while, while Jesus didn't say, okay, this is going to happen in, in uh, less than 96 hours, mm-hmm. it, it really did. Yeah. Right. By the end of the week, Jesus was crucified. On Sunday, he was alive again. He, he had resurrected. And at that point, Jesus had become the perfect sacrifice, and the whole sacrificial system yeah. would be eliminated um, death was defeated. Uh, all kinds of stuff happened. But in that Monday to Tuesday noon sessions, there's just weird stuff that happens yep. that if you don't understand the context, you would think Jesus was having a really bad day. Weird. He, he was hungry <laughs> and there wasn't there weren't there weren't figs for him to eat. And so he got mad and he curses the tree, just abuses his power. And then he, then he still ticks because he's probably still hungry. He hasn't had his coffee. And then he goes in the temple and blows up there and people don't know what to do. And everybody's just kind of dumbfounded because here's this guy who has healed people and, um, and raised Lazarus from the dead. And now he's just gone ballistic. Yeah. But it was all very purposeful, um, and scholars, historians have said all along, all of that fits together. I didn't say this yesterday, but it's it's like a sandwich um, in, yeah. in terms of what happens with the fig tree, then what happens at the temple, then what happens at the fig tree again. Yep. And um, and so, uh, yeah, that that's kind of the essence of it. Yeah, yeah. So tons of historical context. Yeah, I get, you, yeah. You braced people for yesterday, which is great. And Julie and I, Julie and I were geeking out because we love we love diving into like what does this mean? And and it's just it's so cool to like to put yourself in your sh- in the shoes of a Jew that's watching Jesus enter into Jerusalem. Yeah, and I think I think it's in Matthew where it says that Jesus fashions a whip. 
before yeah. he goes into the temple. And so the Jews are thinking like, oh, he's going to go and kick out the Gentiles. Like, finally, we get our temple back. And Jesus goes in and kicks out yeah. Jews yeah. for making it something. It's just so cool to, to have that context. So that leads us to the first question. With, with yesterday, we covered historical context after historical right. context. Tons of history and Backstory. understanding yep. what's going on here. So what are the question asks, what are some resources that are available for people where you can get historical context like that? Like if we're just reading through, if you just read through Mark, yeah. Mark doesn't tell you this is what the fig tree means. This is why the money changers were in really big trouble with Jesus. You have to, we have to get that from somewhere. So what are some of those resources that we can use to, to equip ourselves with historical context as we read the Bible? I, I think that the first thing everybody has, but we fail to use when we read Scripture. Yeah. And that really is kind of an inquisitive nature, that when you read Scripture, it's so easy to think, okay, I've got to read this. I'm, I'm going to read a chapter a day. I'm going to read five chapters today, whatever. And you read like you read a textbook in school to say, yes, I did my reading, that kind of thing, <laughs> as opposed to jumping into the story and, and, and thinking, what was going on here? Yeah. Um, when you start, then you have questions to say, okay, who were the money changers? Mm-hmm. And and we live in such an incredible time right now to be able to use all kinds of resources. So if you're going to 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 tactile resources, yep. there are things like Bible encyclopedias, mm-hmm. um, uh, Bible dictionaries, um, all, all there are tools like that that you can use. Yep. But the easiest thing right now is to just jump on Google mm-hmm. and say, okay, who were the money changers? Yep. And then read down through the first four or five things that are there, and it'll give you some context. Commentaries oftentimes as yep. well. There's, um, there's a great Bible study tool that we've now, I don't think that we've ever talked about on the podcast called Logos. Mm. Um, it it yep. costs for different uh, different levels that you can yep. get, but like when I was when I was studying for last week's message, I pulled from probably I probably read eight commentaries mm-hmm. um, on this section from Mark to just try and get as much historical background as I could. Yeah. Um, but you can get you can get most all of that off the internet. Yep. You just have to be pretty diligent and you have to be discerning to know yes. <laughs> when you read, that doesn't sound right yep. to, to be able to, to yep. verify it if, it if it's a little off. Yeah, I think that that inquisitive mind is, is the most helpful thing because uh, so often we read through, like you said, we read through our daily reading and we think, okay, I'm getting to this point of the fig tree. Maybe I'm just not smart enough to know what the fig tree is, so I'm just going to glance over it, move past it, and then you just stop asking the question. But really, I mean, I didn't know what the fig tree meant until yeah. it's explained. It's, at some yeah. point, it's just got to be explained. And so you read through and you think, man, like this makes no sense. Why is Jesus just cursing trees? <laughs> like, yeah, well, is he just walking around cursing random trees? Absolutely. And and in that passage in Mark, especially where Jesus comes and it says, there were no figs on the tree. And it wasn't the season for figs. It's like, Wait, what? <laughs> Naturally, if it wasn't the season for figs, there wouldn't be any figs and right. anything to eat. <laughs> right. <laughs> until you start to understand the growing season of figs and how they develop and that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's that's a question that anybody can ask to say, what's he talking about there? Yep. And and then all of a sudden it makes all kinds of sense. I, I talked to somebody um, yesterday after the after the service, uh, somebody with a degree from a Bible college that studied this particular passage, and they said, "I didn't know that about the pagim about yeah. about those those little knobs of the buds that are, that are edible, 
Edible. Edible, <laughs> not uh, eligible. Uh, that, that are edible. Eligible, um, for eligible for eating. And um, and it's like all of a sudden that that passage in, in Mark 11 makes lots of sense why, yes, it wasn't the season for full, full fully mature figs. They, they weren't there yet, but there was something that was supposed to be on the tree that Jesus knew about. And if I can, if I can go there for right yeah, now, I, I did a little bit in second service. It's just so interesting to me that, that in the commentators that I read, they said that that pagam, that, that, that um, pre-fruit that's there on the figs, yeah. that's something that would typically have been eaten by poor people. By people who didn't have a lot of resources, they would have known I can go to the tree and eat those off season, and it's okay. It's not going to endanger the the fruit that comes later. Um, rich people would not have eaten that; they would say, "No, I want real figs." Huh. And that it was just very interesting to me that Jesus knew about that because yeah. he was poor. Yeah, Jesus was not the rich and mighty. Right. Jesus was was just a regular guy. Right. And I and in second service, I compared it to. Um, my wife eats a, a thing, well, uh, most people call them pierogies, she calls them chive pies, and the, the little chives that grow in the ground oh, sure. uh, that yep. spring up in the next six weeks or so yep. that are their little wild onion kind of things. Um, from the time she was a girl, their family on the farm would go out, cut those off, bring them in, put them in flour and dough, huh. uh, wrap them around them, and eat what they called chive pies. Chive pies. <laughs> and... and that's something that was eaten in Europe by really poor people that didn't have anything. They could, yeah. they had some flour, yep. and they would go and the cheap resource. eat the eat the little grungy onions off the ground. <laughs> um, so it, I, it's the same kind of thing, which yeah. is which is kind of cool that Jesus knew about that and that he expected to eat those. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I love it. So in terms of resources, yeah, I think the biggest thing, have the equipment. Well, that was a resource question, wasn't it? I forgot that. <laughs> yep, we're still there. Yeah, I think having that inquisitive mind, yeah. there are so many resources that are available to chase stuff down, whether it's commentaries, websites, obviously be discerning. But yeah. the answers are out there. It's just, are you going to ask the questions? That's right. That's the biggest thing. All right, now we get into some people that are asking really good questions. <laughs> speaking yeah, about, I thought that was a good question. Speaking yeah. about being inquisitive yeah. about some of the stuff we're talking about. So this is, man, there's some really good questions here. Um, what do you think is the significance that Jesus says that the temple was to be a house of prayer? Why didn't he say it should be a house of worship or of sacrifice? So again, this talks about Jesus has come into the temple, he's flipped tables, and he said this was meant to be a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of robbers. So why this? Yeah. Why the emphasis on prayer as opposed to just general worship or sacrifice? Well, um, I think there's probably two levels of answers to that. Yeah. One is that Jesus was quoting uh, Isaiah there, mm -hmm. and so uh, and so he chose to quote what had already been said, yep. which is why he said house of prayer. Yeah. That's the that's the first level. The second level is maybe why did Isaiah say that? Yep. Um, yeah. Why was it called a house of prayer at that point in time? And and I think I, I this is a really good question because I was thinking, okay, that's uh, wh why. Yeah. I think it's because prayer describes communication yeah. between people. It's two way. Yep. Um, when we pray, it's not just that we talk at God. Yeah. And He hears. When when we are fully engaged in prayer, we're talking to God. Yeah. But God speaks to us in that time as well. And that's a little bit different than worship. Mm -hmm. Worship, 
we're giving to God our worship. We're ascribing worth to God, and we're focused fully on Him. And that happened in the temple, mm-hmm. but that wasn't necessarily the primary function there. Um, in the in the temple in the old in the in the temple Herod's temple that existed there in the in the Old Testament Solomon's temple as well. Mm-hmm. When they offered sacrifices, that was a sacrifice that was given so that their sins could be atoned for, so that their sins could be rolled back. Yeah. And it was an act of submission and obedience to God, with with God as the receiver and and the and the people being the giver, mm-hmm. uh, being the the obedient servant. I think prayer is just such a different, yep. um, it's a different picture because it's not that we're on equal ground, but it's it's God's relational connection to us in yeah. there that's so important. Yeah, and I think in that context, that, again, begins to explain why Jesus was so angry. Right. That you have taken what is the, the only opportunity that the Gentiles have for a relational connection with God, yeah. and you've removed it from them. Right, and that, like again, when you're in that context, of course Jesus gets mad at that, and I think right. yeah, it's it's so clear that that's God's vision for the temple is that it, it is this relational connection. It's not just where you come and you give your money and you sing your songs and then you leave. This right, you have an actual relationship with God, um, and that's where it's it's cool that you know after this temple, then we're told later in Scripture that we actually become that yeah, temple. We are you the become temple. the the home of the Holy Spirit, where you have that continual relational connection. It's just really cool. Yeah, I loved I loved in in just doing the study where it talked about that the temple was designed to demonstrate to the world the nature of God. Mm. Um that court of the Gentiles and I didn't talk about this in the overview, part of what Jesus was so upset about was that the court of Gentiles was just so filled with commerce, mm. with with people selling animals for sacrifice, with people changing money. It was so filled with that that there was no space for the Gentiles. Yeah. And the court of the Gentiles was designed so that people who were not Jewish could worship God. Yeah. Um, and that the temple physically demonstrated the nature of God, that God that that God had chosen his people and he created a system yeah. by which people could have their relationship with him restored again as the sacrifices were made. But God's heart was for for all people yeah. as well. Yeah. And um and that's su- that's just such a cool thing to to recognize that now when scripture says that we're the temple mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit, that we're also called to demonstrate mm-hmm. the nature of God yeah. in the world. That 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 when people see us, they see this commitment to righteousness and holiness and grace mm. and forgiveness. That yeah. that is who God is. Yeah. Love that. That's great. All right. This next question, again, really good one. <laughs> what definition would you give for what faith is? And how is faith different than hope, confidence, or positive thinking? I've never heard Mark eleven twenty two through twenty six used in this context, and that's where they're coming back into Jerusalem, and Jesus says, "If you if you believe, if you have faith, you can say to this mountain, mountain. be thrown into the sea," which is often, I mean, how many times have I heard that <laughs> passage out ripped out of that context? Right, it has nothing to do with the temple. It's just if you have enough faith, you can pray whatever you want. If you have enough faith, that person will be healed. If you have enough faith, you'll get that job. So how are we? So let's just, let's we'll get back to that context first. What is faith? Um, I I I wrote it down because 
I've memorized this in different ways, but I wanted to make sure that I quoted it correctly. So this is, this is actually, um, uh, I'm looking in my notes. Um, <laughs> gracious. You put it in the I've, got it, I've got it here somewhere, I think. What question is, was that? Oh, there we go. Thanks. God, there. <laughs> Hebrews 11.1 1 is, is, uh, is, is where you go. And the writer of Hebrews says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. Yeah. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what, in what we don't see. So it's, um, it's not just this blind faith that, that's this longing for something. It is confidence that we know um, what we know is going to happen because of what's happened in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to distinguish the difference between a biblical definition of faith yes. and a, just a dictionary definition of faith. Because I looked it up because I wanted to make sure I, I wasn't sure if they changed oh, this. Is this. Good. Yeah. The current definition of faith is a strong belief, like in something like God or the doctrines of religion, based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Oh, wow. So in the absence of proof, you still believe. In the absence that's of what culture logical, says. That's the dictionary definition of faith, which we would reject. Right. <laughs> we would not say we believe in God even though there's no evidence, even though there's nothing that points to God, we still believe in God because we believe there's many things that point to God. <laughs> yeah, we would actually say just the opposite of that. Yeah. That's, that would say based on what God has done in the past, yeah. we absolutely believe that this is what, what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. And so when Jesus was saying, if you have faith... If you recognize what God has done in the past, if you understand the context of the Old Testament, yep. that the Messiah is coming for the for all nations, yeah. that this mountain can be moved in, can be thrown in the sea. Yeah. Again, all of this was fitting together into one piece to say the temple's not where it's at. It, that's it's not going to be here forever. Right. As a matter of fact, its lifespan is going to be pretty short. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, again, trying to get the biblical context that I, I had read somewhere as I was digging into this this question, that Jews actually referred to the temple as the mountain. Yeah, the temple mountain. Because it was yeah. on, they built the mountain. It on the mountain in Jerusalem. Mount Zion. So it was yeah. up high, it was visible. So when Jesus is walking into Jerusalem and he's talking to the disciples and he says, you can look at this mountain they would have understood yep. he's talking about the temple. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so faith relating to that. So let's get back to the question and make sure we, we, we dive into this. What is the it's, it's, it's kind of like saying if we talk about, if you're in Washington, D.C., mm. and, um, and you talk about Capitol Hill, yeah. you're talking about the Capitol building and the Senate office building and the House building, right. all of that together. If, if you say, hey, here on, here on, on the Hill. Right, right. Um, it's it's yeah, not a, a literal hill. <laughs> it's a it's a uh, word that's used to describe the area. Right. Yeah. And so, to make sure we're answering the question, um, we've we've given our definition of faith. Yeah. How is this different than hope or positive thinking? What's the difference between having faith and just general positive thinking about the future? Well, I'm positive I know the answer to this. No. Um, <laughs> Let's not overthink it. Positive yeah. Thinking. <laughs> positive thinking is just uh, kind of believing the best no matter what. Yeah, regardless um, of evidence. Re regardless of evidence. Hope is what we want to happen, again, regardless of 
what the realities might be. Yeah. And faith says, based on who God is and what He's done in the past, yeah, this is this is uh, this is what I believe. Yeah, I I, I looked at us. I, I made a note of this because I was digging around, and this uh, this is a resource that you guys can use. To yeah, put out a resource. There's a website called GotQuestions.org. Oh yeah, it's great, great, great website. website. I just look up what does this mean, and this yeah. is usually the website that pops up. And they gave a really short definition of that: biblical hope is built on faith. Yes. So without faith, you can't have hope. Right, because what are you, <laughs> what right. are you putting your hope in if you don't have faith in that thing? Um, so to look at faith is just for me the simplest definition of faith is to trust that I trust I can look at what God has done and I trust that He will take care of me. Yeah. So that's why I trust Jesus as my Savior because I look at what Jesus has done and I trust Him more than anyone else with my salvation with what's to come, and that gives me immense hope that knowing that I can trust in Jesus, that's where my hope comes from. So without that faith, I don't know if you can even have a real hope, at least a biblical understanding of hope. Yeah, yeah you know, it's funny. my mind is racing about 60 miles an hour right now <laughs> in a completely different direction. Yeah. Um, about, uh, I don't know, six or seven years ago, yeah. um, we made a trip to Ecuador to look at the possibility of being involved in a, in a partnership with, with Compassion International yeah. and Stadia Church Planting to plant a church in Ecuador. Yeah. And the thing that I remember, because be, because Compassion International's ministry is to kids in the poorest part of the world to help change their lives, mm. that, that um, the leaders of Compassion who are, who are ministering to kids in poverty throughout the world, they said that the um the antidote um for poverty is hope mm. that the thing that keeps people chained to poverty is not it's it's not money yeah it's the lack of hope um and mm. and mm. listening to them talk to kids who were new in a compassion project who really didn't have hope that they said yeah. what do you want to be when you grow up and that they'd say I don't know. They're they're hoping to get to age ten, to yeah. live to age ten, yeah. and then kids who had been in the project for a number of years. What do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I'm hoping to be a doctor. I'm hoping to be a soccer player. I'm hoping to be whatever. Prior to prior to having hope, hmm. they didn't have any vision of what might be out there. Now the so hope hope is incredible for somebody who's in uh, who's who's buried in depression. Hmm. They have lost hope. They may not have lost faith, but they've lost hope. Sure, but sure. hope, um, hope won't get you there. Faith will, yeah. because faith is not dependent on us. Yeah. It's not dependent on our ability to envision what's going to happen. Faith is dependent upon what's happened in the past. Yeah, yeah, and that's actually the the last part of the question that was submitted is: Would you agree that the bridge between hope? And faith is the promises of God, and I would say to, to a certain extent, absolutely. Yeah, that that's what your faith is built on is looking at what God has done. He's promised to do the same, or to do. He's given us promises, and so you build your faith on that. And and I would even say the fulfilled promises of God. Yeah, it's it's yep. because God has done what He said He would do yep. in the past. Yep. Yeah. That absolutely. that we can have that. Yeah. Great. Absolutely. Great. Great question. Love it. Uh, this question comes from the Ermetlu Life Group. Ooh, which we yeah. Love. We love when life groups submit yeah. questions. This is great. So in this passage, yeah. we've talked about the fig tree, and we've said that the fig tree is an example of Israel. In this instance, the fig tree dies. What does that mean 
for Israel. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. That's that that really um, the hopefully I can connect some dots yeah. for the disciples. It was a very dramatic object lesson to say, oh, the prophets talked about fig trees and their connection to Israel. This fig tree died. What's that mean? Mm. It means in reality that the whole system for the Jews was going to come to an end. And it did when Jesus went to the cross. All of a sudden, uh, I said this already, but all of a sudden, the perfect sacrifice had been made for all of mankind when Jesus, the innocent one, was put on the cross and and he died in our place, took our sin on himself, and then conquered death and rose again on Sunday. Um, the, The... the system of Judaism was it was no longer needed because that was all a setup mm-hmm. for what Jesus was going to do on the cross. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's again, it's cool when you look at this passage in Mark, and I, I think you mentioned the other passage comes from Luke, where Jesus first comes into the city. Yeah, Luke all 19. of that is judgment language from Jesus, right? Where he says, "Like, woe to you, Jerusalem! Like, yeah, not good stuff is coming." And the fig tree is part of that judgment metaphor if you look in the old testament too like a mountain being thrown into the sea is judgment language right um and it doesn't take long for judgment to come on israel in a very physical way 70 years uh like 40 years later yeah yeah um, there's a very physical judgment that comes on them that's what jesus is talking about in luke 19 wherever that passage was in the luke yeah yeah um, that's mentioned there yeah um but the cool thing about all that is that all that judgment is is spoken by Jesus, but that's for the purpose of bringing Israel even closer to him. Like that's what Paul is talking about in Romans is that you have experienced this judgment because you rejected the Messiah. Right. And the Messiah's desire is still to welcome you in. And that's right. What, that's what Paul talks about in Romans that, oh, if I were to be cut off so that my brothers could be brought yeah. in. Um, that's just so cool that even in the midst of this judgment metaphor that Jesus is using. His desire is still to bring Israel closer. Just really cool. Yeah, and in the Old Testament, when it talks about, um, when it uses fig tree or figs um, imagery for for um, for the Jews, yeah. for the nation of Israel, um, the prophets say, you know what? If the fig tree doesn't bear, it's going to be burned up. It's going to be yeah. cast aside. If yeah. it produces bad figs, yeah. it's going to be cut down. If it produces good figs, it's going to create rejoicing. Yeah. But if it doesn't, um, it's going to be destroyed. Yeah. That's the imagery that's there. And it's so interesting to me yeah. that the disciples see that lived out on Monday and Tuesday. And on Thursday, mm-hmm. Jesus is saying, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Yeah. If you yeah. if you stay connected to me, you're going to bear lots of fruit. Yeah. But if you don't stay connected, those branches are going to be cut off. Yeah. And they're going to be and they're going to be burned up, which would have echoed the I mean it, it wouldn't just have echoed. It did echo yeah. what the what the prophets had said and the and the disciples would have they would have connected those dots. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great. Great question. Thanks for submitting that, Ermat Lou Life Group. All right, last question that I think is a, is a really good question to end on. How did the temple, or how did, I guess, how did the, the practices within the temple get so far off 
from what God intended? And how do we make sure that our church today doesn't follow in the same footsteps? Great question. It it is, and it's, uh, and I w- I would just say this if I look in the camera. Um, that's a question that we as staff and as elders um, grapple with regularly. It's yeah. is are we doing the right things? Are we investing in the right? Um, in the right activities, uh, financially, are we doing the right things to accomplish what God has called us to do, or have we drifted? And and that's I think what happened with the temple. There there was this sense that the temple really did demonstrate the nature of God. That there was this sense of awe that was there, yep. and um, and when the nation of Israel turned their back over and over and over again on God, and God allowed them to be taken into captivity, and the temple was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, that that really kind of blew everything up. And when it was rebuilt, even though it was just a, just a, a small picture of what it had been before when Hezekiah and, and um, they come back out of captivity and and um, and and rebuild, um, th- when that happens, there is this sense of awe again at the wonder of God. When Herod the Great gets involved and rebuilds, he's doing it for political purposes. He wants the Jews to love him. Right. Um, and everything that he does to build the temple um, engenders everyone to him. It ingratiates him to him. They, they, yeah. This is the best thing ever. We can, we can do what we have been called to do from the beginning. Yep. And it really allowed them to drift from their focus on God mm. to the structure itself, to the... To the <clears throat> To the machine, to the to um to all of the stuff, yeah. and and that's the danger for us. Um, well, uh, Mark and I had a conversation today, uh, d- earlier today, just talking about okay, what is it that God had, has called us to do? Yeah. And it's easy for our minds to get focused on the stuff and to and to stop thinking in fresh ways about what God wants to do in us and through us at this time in history, because it's not what he wanted us, it's not what he wanted to do in us and through us in 1950 or 1965 or 1980 or 1995. It's, okay, what is it right now? And I think for the, for the Jews, it was just one little decision at a time that, okay, we need to have, we need to have some people who can exchange money um, so people could pay the temple tax. That's a, that's a good thing. But then there was a percentage of it that went to the religious leaders, and they thought, you know what, if we have more, yeah. if we can get more people to come, if we can advertise on the, uh, on the Internet in the first century, <laughs> and we can get Jews from everywhere to come for the Passover, that's right. more temple tax, that's good. <laughs> then we need more money changers, that's good. Right. More people come, more sacrifices, well, we've got to have some sources for that. It creates this whole economy, and one step at a time, things just get askew. Yeah. And um, and that's the, I, I would say, what is it that we can do? The first thing is that, that we can consistently be asking God, God, what is it that you want us to do? Yeah. And the second thing that we can do for, as, a, as a church is to pray, to, mm-hmm. to pray for our leaders, to pray for us as a church, yeah. and to be the church, not be about just the business of the church. Yeah. Um, and and again, that's the, that's that. Out of this passage in Mark, it really is. We've got to bear fruit, mm. not just have leaves. Right. 
that that fig tree. Jesus saw that fig tree and thought, oh, it's going to have the bagam on it. It's going to be full of bagam. And it wasn't. And it's easy for us to say, oh, to be able to quote lots of Bible verses. It's easy for us to be able to go to church, to do be a part of life group, to talk about scripture and to not really bear fruit. If we're bearing fruit, um, all the other things are are good and okay. But they're not the most important thing. What was that? I can share it. I can at least paraphrase it. What was that quote from the screw tape letters that you we talked about this recently about Oh, um, so for people that don't know, Screw Tape Letters is a book written by C.S. Lewis. It's a written from the perspective of a demon, and this head demon is writing to his nephew about how to best deceive Christians or how to lead people away from the enemy. And in, in the book, the enemy is God. Yeah, there's a quote that we've been talking about as a staff for the last few weeks, and it's sitting in my brain, eating away at me. Yeah, it's so powerful. I I, heard, I actually I heard it at the conference I was at a few weeks ago, and if you're watching, listening, whatever. It's going to make its way into a sermon. You're going to hear it on Sunday morning too. So basically, what what the head demon says to the to the younger demon as he's trying to figure out how to derail his Christians' faith, he said he he was. This is uh, uh, C.S. Lewis wrote this, I think, in 1942, 43. So it's in the middle of World War II, and there is in um, England where Lewis is. There are people who are pacifist and people who are militarists. There are the people um, who say, just let Germany do whatever they want. God's yep. going to be, everything's going to be okay. There are other people saying, no, we've got to fight. We've got to fight. We've got to fight. And this demon says to the head demon says to the younger demon, hey, here's the thing. You just have to help them come to a place that they have an opinion. And then you have to help them get from that opinion to say, oh, that's a part of my religion, a part of my faith. And then you have to help them understand that it's not just a part of their faith. It's an important part of their faith to either be a pacifist or an important part of their faith to be a militarist. And once it's at that level, then you have to have them take the step to say, no, it's not just an important. It's the most important part of my faith. Mm -hmm. I'm only going to be associated with people who are pacifists. I'm only going to be associated with people who are Christians who are fighting the fight. Yeah. And, and then it's not just the most important part of the faith. It, it is their faith, yeah. that they become a pacifist yep. above a Christian, that they become a militarist above a Christian. The reason that we've talked about it so much is that that quote, that concept is so relevant in our world today yep. that, that we say, oh, are you, do you, are, are you somebody who's been vaccinated or not? Because yeah. if you're not vaccinated... Yeah. We're, we can't be brothers in, in yeah. Christ. Who did you vote for? Yeah, yeah. who did you vote for? Um, where do you stand on injustice issues and Black Lives Matters? Um, and and the, the demon's advice to the younger demon is absolutely right on. When that becomes more important than our faith and, our, and the fruit that we have yeah. in terms of how we relate to other people and how we follow Jesus, man, yep. um, he, he, Satan's won. Yep. Satan's won yeah. when that happens. And I... I, I Bring that quote up because that's exactly what happened in the temple. Is yes. They prioritized money over the Gentiles. Slowly but surely. Yes. We're going to say, you know what? Whatever. We'll just we'll just set up an extra table in the Gentile court. They're not going. It's not going to matter. It's just Gentiles. This is an important part. It's yeah. so slowly but surely. Yeah. You say, hey, we can get a little more tax. Is that important? Uh, yeah, that's very important. That's very important. If we get that, then we can do this. And slowly but surely, you make those decisions. And before you know it, you're not even, you don't care about following Jesus. You don't care about following God. You just say, like, well, th- th- we have to do this. This is what the church is. If we don't do this, then 
why do we even have faith? And once yeah. you're at the point of asking that, that's where the Pharisees were. That's right. why I think you brought it up in your message. It was at this point they were like, we have to kill him. Yeah. We can't let him keep doing this. Right. He's challenging our faith. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It it was it was yeah. a it was a direct attack yeah. on the entire system. Yeah. So the big the biggest remedy for that is don't follow demons' advice. <laughs> don't. <laughs> That's right. Don't let the small That's things right. become the important things, become the essential things, become the main things. God is the main thing, and he's very clear in his word what the temple was supposed to be, what we are supposed to be in Jesus, and yeah. following that keeps us from making the mistakes that we made in the temple. And also recognizing that we're going to make a lot of those same mistakes right. because we're stupid and we're sinful and we're fallen. And thank God we have a Savior that's much better than we that's are. That's right. So... That's the comfort that I have. Yep. Interesting read. Let me just say that again. If you if you want to get a copy, it's still available, still in print, yep. all over the place. The Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Yeah, it's great. It's good stuff. It's shockingly relevant for how <laughs> how dated it could be, and and extremely challenging. Yes, because it it um, sheds light on the insight of the way that we think and feel. Yeah, and respond. Yes, uncomfortable. Yes, <laughs> but it's good. painful. Yeah, but good. All right, anything else you want to uh, leave us with for the uh, Jesus mm. cleansing the temple, getting mad? Uh, I, 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 yeah, he is, he is, Jesus is serious. That's yeah. the, it, it really is all about um, fruit. Um, yeah, man, yeah. You didn't, nobody asked a question about my very last takeaway point, which was incredibly quiet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> Maybe that's indicative of something. Um, I, I did get a, a couple of comments just just to recognize that if Jesus was willing to, if God's willing to do away with the temple, yeah. He's willing to do away with anything that 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 um, obstructs yeah. His purpose, and um, we can't hold on to anything too tightly, right? Except Jesus. Yeah. Um, whether whether that's our culture. Whether that's our technology, whether yeah. that's our family, whether that's our nation, yeah. it. Um, one of the one of the cool things. I'm sorry, I'm off on a tangent. Um, we're we're, we're ready to close. One of the one of the one of the cool things that's going on in Ukraine right now in the church mm. is that huh, this winds up to where we started, right? <laughs> Full circle. One of the cool things is things have become incredibly clear yeah. in terms of what's important. Yeah. Um, and the things that uh, probably two months ago they would have thought was very important mm. are not now yeah. because, because the stakes are just so much higher. Yeah, I think that's, that's the, at least for me, is the continual conviction that I feel is, you know, there's so many things that I love in this life that challenge my love for Jesus. Right. And am I willing to set those things aside, to set them to in their proper you. place so mm-hmm. that Jesus can be king just like Jake talked about last week, yep. Jesus can remain king in my life. Um, that's really, really challenging. Yeah, It's very easy to say, of course I love Jesus more than everything else. And then he comes and flips a table. <laughs> yeah. And how you react is indicative of what's actually king. And and that's what it means to be disciple. Yeah. 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 That's great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for submitting questions. Gosh, these were great, yeah, great questions stuff. to wrestle with. So really appreciate that. Uh, we're going to continue through the Jesus is series and Easter is right around the corner. So we'll be excited to get together on Easter. So save the date for that April 17 and we will see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>